Hello, Forgiver. We are in week two of the Understanding Forgiveness series. Last week, I talked about forgiveness being an act of the will, that it is for you, that it is adaptive, and often results in mourning the loss of who we were meant to be. I gave a personal example of how I was able to forgive my family and my teacher and mourn the me that could have been had my family and teacher allowed me to continue to be left-handed. So listen closely, grab a notebook and a pen and your favorite beverage, and I'll meet you on the other side of the intro. Hello, Forgiver. Welcome to the Forgiveness is for You podcast. I'm Dr. Karen Silva, Forgiveness Guide and Catholic Mindset Coach. I've spent 30 years in therapy for sexual, physical, emotional, and racial trauma, but therapy could only take me so far. I believe that there's freedom in forgiveness, but we cannot do it alone. Do you struggle forgiving yourself or others? Are you ashamed of what happened to you in the past? Do you harbor unforgiveness toward the adults who are supposed to protect you but didn't? Do you resent a whole class of people because you were discriminated against? On this podcast, we talk about all things forgiveness, what it is, what it's not, and how you can begin to forgive yourself, others, and God. Allow me to be your forgiveness guide. Let's begin. Today, I will be talking about four more characteristics of forgiveness. But before I do that, let's clarify some terms. In any relationship where harm has been committed, the person harmed is the victim. I will refer to that person either as the person who has been harmed or the victim. I will use the terms offender, perpetrator, or the person who caused the harm interchangeably for the person on the other end of that relationship. So let's delve into more characteristics. A question that people frequently wrestle with is, whose job is it anyway to forgive? I argue that forgiveness, number one, is our own responsibility. If we wait for the offender to ask for forgiveness first, we may never have the opportunity to forgive. Sometimes the person we need to forgive may have passed on or they have no intention of asking for forgiveness. Waiting for the offender to show remorse or ask for forgiveness is surrendering our power and our agency over to that person who failed to show us respect for our inherent dignity in the first place. If I take this stance, it is truly disempowering and it can cause me to be trapped in this endless cycle of rumination and obsession about what's happening in the other person's brain instead of focusing on how I can stay in my own brain and move forward. We might find ourselves changing our own behavior in order to avoid seeing that person in public. And I've done this before where I know that if I encounter that person, I'm going to have to behave in a certain way. And so I change my behavior so that I don't have to encounter them. Does that sound familiar to you? That might be difficult, especially if that person is a close family member and we have to navigate our way around that person's proximity at family events. We may even start feeling shame for what we are thinking and how we are behaving around them. And then these negative thoughts that we have can start to really affect our personality. We can change from someone who generally has a positive outlook on life to someone who only sees the negative aspects of other people. And then we can take that one characteristic and we can begin to generalize our beliefs about other people based on how our interactions with this one person have been. 
So forgiveness definitely has an impact on who we become. Number two, forgiveness is allowing God to help us walk through the pain of the forgiveness process. Instead of moving away, it's moving toward the thoughts and emotions that are rooted in the wound or past painful experience, what I call the pain story, and asking God to accompany us there. This is easier said than done. As a Catholic Christian, I believe this to be a contemplation of Christ crucified as represented by the crucifix. So sitting in front of the crucifix, really contemplating, looking at the Lord and asking him to join me in my suffering, to unite myself to that suffering that he has experienced on the cross. A simple way to do this is to have a three-part conversation with the Lord. First, we can tell him what happened. Lord, this is what happened to me. Then tell him how you feel. I feel betrayed. I feel so brokenhearted. I feel so sad. I'm furious. I'm angry. I'm resentful. Whatever it is that you're feeling in that moment or have been feeling for a long time, you can tell him that. And the third part of that conversation is to tell him what you need. You can tell him that you need to be relieved of your suffering. You can tell him that you need help through this process of forgiveness. You can simply say, Lord, I need you to help me figure this out. I need you to help me figure out a way to move forward. I need you to help me learn how to forgive this person because right now I don't feel very loving. I don't feel very forgiving. In fact, I want absolutely nothing to do with this person for the rest of my life. You can tell him that. He can take it. Sit with him for a while. He's patient. He can take all your words and he can take all of your emotions. He is the divine physician. He has already suffered every imaginable wound that we have suffered. And he is always with us in the present moment, waiting for us to invite him into our pain story. He knows our sorrow. We can trust in that. Number three, forgiveness is being willing to acknowledge the offender's right to moral justice. What do I mean by moral justice? Moral justice is the justice that belongs to Christ himself. John 5, 21 through 22 states, For just as the Father gives life, so also the Son gives life to whomever he pleases. Nor does the Father judge anyone, but he has given all judgment to his Son. This means that the judgment of that person's soul is not up to us. We cannot define the person by the act that they've committed against us. They are also a child of God and deserve to be morally judged by him alone. This is the hardest saying. God sees the heart of the person who committed the act and he knows the whole story. This is really true for myself because as a child growing up in South Africa, this knowledge really helped me not to harden my heart against the white people and the perpetrators of apartheid. I kept telling myself that someday I will get justice for the way that our people were being oppressed and I was being oppressed as a, as a child. It doesn't mean that we can't desire and pursue criminal justice for what's happened to us. When a wrong has been perpetrated, the natural inclination is to want justice. If it is at all possible to bring the perpetrator to criminal justice, it really is important that we do that to prevent further harm, especially when minors are involved. If we receive justice in a court of law, 
we may still have unforgiveness in our hearts toward that person. And that is where the act of forgiveness breaks the bond to that person and finally sets us free. Number four, forgiveness is allowing God's grace to flow through us to the other person, making us their intercessor. I'm going to repeat that. Forgiveness is allowing God's grace to flow through us to our offender, making us their intercessor. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 2843, states, It is not in our power not to feel or forget the offense, but the heart that offers itself to the Holy Spirit turns injury into compassion and purifies the memory in transforming the hurt into intercession. It's amazing what God can do with our forgiveness. This is perhaps the second hardest saying of everything that I've talked about so far. Our forgiveness may be what actually softens the heart of our offender, whether they are in a relationship with us or not. What comes to mind is the assassination attempts of two world leaders in the 21st century, a pope and a president. Yep, you guessed it. St. Pope John Paul II and President Ronald Reagan. Both men forgave the men who attempted to kill them, and both perpetrators showed remorse afterward. On May 17, 1981, shortly after the assassination attempt on the life of Pope St. John Paul II, he stated, I pray for the brother who struck me, whom I have sincerely forgiven. United to Christ, priest, and victim, I offer my sufferings for the church and for the world. On December 27, 1983, two years after the incident, the Pope publicly forgave his would-be assassin, Aliacha. Pope St. John Paul II, a man who had suffered severely as a young child under the Nazi occupation in Poland, had one more pain story to add to his history of suffering. Yet, he allowed grace to enter into his heart and made the decision to forgive. His act of forgiveness touched the heart of his perpetrator. Aliacha repented of the act and eventually he converted to Catholicism. In his example of forgiveness, the Pope taught us that the suffering we face in our pain story can be redemptive if we unite our suffering to Christ on the cross. This, my friends, is a gift we as Christians can treasure. We do this through the power of our words in prayer and through the grace given to us by the Holy Spirit. I hope that what you've learned here is making a difference in your life. In the next episode, we will continue to discuss what forgiveness is. See you next time. Please be tender with yourself. Forgiveness is serious business. May the grace of the Lord be with you as you contemplate what you learned today. If this podcast is making a difference in your life, please hit subscribe below and consider writing a review. Share the link with a friend, take a screenshot and share on your social media. Connect with me as your forgiveness guide. I will hold space for you as you work through your pain and rewrite your story. Sign up for my 5 Days to Forgiveness self-guided mini audio retreat at www.drkaren.com. Check out my website for how you can bring me to your church or small faith sharing group. And remember friends, forgiveness is for you.